Welcome to the UND Chi Alpha podcast, a podcast for shaping students that are changing culture. How many of you in, the, in this room are homebodies? Like you just love, like, like you don't like traveling. You like being at home and just like you'd rather like be cuddled up than like going traveling the world to like Iceland or something. Yes, amen. You are my people. I love you guys. You're awesome because I've been just a well-traveled individual for some reason, okay? I was in California two weekends ago. I was in Iowa, a little eight-hour drive this past weekend, well, Thursday till Monday, okay? Just a well-traveled individual. Um, but, you know, we, we were in um, Iowa for something called Light, okay, if you didn't know, and we were in Light for uh, something called the Chi Alpha Light Conference, okay? We were in Light for, oh my gosh. Okay, anyways, we are at a conference called Light, my goodness, and it was for, it's for Chi Alpha staff and interns and people who are interested in maybe being a Chi Alpha intern, um, and it's just a place to um, come and learn and be encouraged, and you guys, I, oh my goodness, I was so encouraged specifically by some people who have been like Chi Alpha pastors for like 30 plus years, Okay, I've been serving the Lord faithfully for like 40 plus years. And this is, and, and, and as I was there, I just kind of felt the Lord like actually speaking to me that this is something that like I was supposed to share with you guys. Just this idea of what could it practically look like for you to live, to live for Jesus like that for the long haul. And, and I'm not talking be a Chi Alpha pastor. I'm not saying all of you need to be vocational ministers, but more in the, more in the sense of what does it look like for us you know, like, how do we get to that place? How do we beat Pastor Brad Lewis, you know, who has, like, been a faithful follower of Jesus basically his whole life? Um, like, how do we have faith that lasts the long haul? And so that's kind of my sermon tonight is faith that will last the long haul. Um, because my hope and my goal as your pastor right now, for the short time I get to be your pastor because I'm a college pastor, is that you guys will have a stronger and more vibrant faith when you guys are 80 years old than when you're 20 years old. Okay, that's my hope. But this is more of like, I'm kind of like, like, do you guys know like those Hot Wheels things and they have like a little like launching thing? Like, I, like I'm, I hope that I'm kind of like a nice launching pad for you guys in your life. But do you know, in the Hot Wheel tracks, there's those other little like spinning wheels throughout the track. And like, you got to keep going, more forward momentum. So don't live on the forward momentum you get just in Chi Alpha. There's more, amen? Like, you should keep growing and growing and growing as you get older. Not just like, okay, I'm, I was a college student. I lived for Jesus for like three and a half years. And now I'm just going to coast for the rest of my life. Uh, that's not what I pray and what, and what I'm hoping for you guys. It's really easy okay, to be a flash in the pan. It's really easy to be a New Year's resolution Christian where you kind of just like you try for, for, for a short time and then you give up because it's too hard. Um, because this Christian faith, it's not easy, okay? Remember we, talk, we just talked last week about how there will be trials. There will be, there will be hard times. But tonight I want to encourage you that it is possible to have faith that lasts for the long haul. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight is how can we have faith that lasts for the long haul, Okay. Um, but, but before I kind of get into my scripture and some stories and things, I'd love to just pray with you guys and invite the Holy Spirit to be here. So uh, would you pray with me? Hey, Holy Spirit, uh, I just pray that you would come into this place, and Holy Spirit, you would speak through me. It wouldn't just be my words or my wisdom, but Holy Spirit, it would be your words and your wisdom speaking to every student's heart right now, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So um, I'd love to go, to with, uh, go with you to Matthew 25, Okay. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, okay? And we're going to tell the story about, uh, it's called the ten bridesmaids, okay? It's a parable that Jesus tells. So just for context, in this story, 
uh, this is Jesus talking, okay? And he's telling, uh, he's telling some people a story that didn't actually happen to illustrate a point. That's, called, that's a parable, okay? So we're going we're gonna to tell this story, and this is kind of going to be our theme, our reference point as we go throughout our sermon. Um, this isn't like my main text. I don't really actually have a main text today, um, but there's going to be a whole bunch of different scriptures I'm kind of telling uh, today. But this is kind of a theme verse. So anyways, let's read it together. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish did, didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take, take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil... The bridegroom came. Then those who were ready uh, went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Okay? So a lot to unpack with this uh, scripture, but first let's talk about some of the characters in this story and what they represent, okay? Because this is kind of a bit like, right, this is, a, this is something to teach us a lesson, and so there's, there's some connections we need to make. So first, the character, the bridegroom, okay? Are you familiar with what a bridegroom is? It's like the guy who's going to get married, okay? So the guy who's going to get married. Um, but the bridegroom represents Jesus, okay, who one day is going to come back, okay? So if you guys didn't know, in the, in the scriptures, it talks about how Jesus one day is actually physically going to come back to this earth and establish, like, his physical kingdom on this earth, okay? Right now, we're kind of helping establish the spiritual kingdom of God, right, the unseen, but Jesus one day will come back down from heaven and come to earth, okay? It's really cool stuff. You should read about it in, like, in Revelations and, and other parts when Jesus speaks of him coming back. Um, but for our context, the bridegroom represents Jesus who is coming back someday, Okay? Next, there's the bride or the bridesmaids, okay, in this scripture. Who are the bridesmaids? They represent us, actually. They represent a Christian. If you call yourself a believer in Jesus or if you're part of the church, big C, right, like the worldwide church, people that believe in God, uh, that is the bride, okay? Next, there's another thing we need to understand in this scripture. If, Trenton, you could go to verse 10, okay, um, go to verse 10 on that scripture, um, and there's something called the marriage feast. What is this? Uh, let me read the scripture. But while they were gone to buy oil, oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. So what is the marriage feast? The marriage feast represents heaven. Okay? If you're not familiar, when you die in, in the Christian faith, there's one of two places you go. Okay? It's either heaven or hell. Okay? It's either with Jesus eternally or eternal suffering. That's what the Christian faith believes, okay? And so the marriage feast in this story represents heaven, okay? Entering into heaven with Jesus. Next, um, there's another thing called uh, the oil, the olive oil. And this is, I think this is the key thing that I kind of want to talk about uh, today is the oil. And, uh, right, let's go back, Trenton, maybe to verse 4. 
Okay, uh, let's read that. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And then in verse 9 it says, but the others replied, we don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to, go buy, go to a shop to buy some for yourselves. What does the oil represent? Okay, what does the oil represent? It represents righteous living in obedience to God. Okay, important, very key. The oil represents righteous living in obedience to God. So now we have... Um, our characters and some of the main things that they represent. So bridegroom, Jesus, bride, us, marriage, feast, heaven, oil equals righteous living and obedience to God. Now with that, with all of that in mind, let's talk about the two different types of bridesmaids, right? There was the foolish one and there was the wise one. What is the difference between the foolish bridesmaid and the wise bridesmaid? It's actually interesting. Both of them uh, if you could go back to verse 1, Trent, both of them had uh, faith that the bridegroom was going to come, okay? Then the king of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom, okay? Um, so, so essentially in, in Hebrew culture, if you were going to get like betrothed, if you're being like betrothed or, or married, essentially what happened is you, you would have a lamp, okay? And then like Kind of later in the day, the bridegroom would come and pick her up and go to like a big reception feast thing. But you had to have like, it, it usually happened later in the night. So that's why they had a lamp that needed to be lit with oil. Okay. But, and it's interesting because the wise and the foolish bridesmaids, they both had faith that the bridegroom was coming. Okay. But what was the difference between the two? The wise one is the only one out of the two that had actions that reflected that faith. Let me explain that some more. The wise, uh, the wise bridegroom had extra oil because she wanted to be ready for any scenario. Okay, maybe the bridegroom would take a really long time to arrive, so I got a lot of extra oil just in case. Uh, really, what this was showing, what, what Jesus was trying to illustrate, is that the foolish ones, they, they simply had a belief that he would come. The wise ones were ready at any moment for him to come. And they showed that through how they practiced, through their actions, because they had the extra oil. Okay? So faith that lasts for the long haul not only believes in Jesus, but has that, but that belief is reflected through their actions. Does that make sense? That belief is reflected through their actions. Let's talk about or orthodoxy and orthopraxy. I think Paul talked about this a few weeks ago. Right? Orthopraxy. Big word, but not that complicated. It just means right knowledge of God, okay? Ortho, orthodoxy, right knowledge of God. Both, both the wise and the foolish bridesmaid had ortho, orthodoxy, okay? They understood that, that, the bride, that the bridegroom was going to come, that Jesus is coming back, that I need to have faith in God. Only one of them had orthopraxy. Orthopraxy means right worship of God or right, right practice of how to follow God, Okay? So those are two big or theological complicated words, but the difference between the two is they both had orthodoxy. Only one had orthopraxy, the, the wise one, okay? Our faith must be built for consistency and longevity if we're to last the long haul. Which bride do you want to be when you meet Jesus? The foolish bride who wasn't prepared to meet Jesus and was turned away or the wise bride that had a flame that was burning brightly due to more than enough oil that was in her lamp? What's the implication here of not having enough oil on our lamp? What's the implication of having a faith that dies and gets dim and is now cold? The implication is one of those 
brought, one of them went to the marriage feast to heaven. The other were not entered into the kingdom of heaven. There's one of two places you go. So the other, they went to hell, right? Eternal suffering. So this is a real reality that we live in. Jesus is trying to paint through this story a reality that we live in, that there's one of two places that you go, and there's something key. It's the oil, right? We're coming back to the oil. It represents righteous living in obedience to God. And this was kind of the key difference between the two and why one went to the marriage feast or heaven and why the others didn't. And now you might be thinking, well, Judah, does that mean I can only enter heaven, you know, if I'm a good enough person, if I'm righteous enough, if I'm obedient enough to God? Does that mean that, like, only those types of people go to heaven? Well, let me answer that question through a verse because the Bible does better talking than me. Uh, good, good lads. Uh, so Romans 10, 9 through, Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So let me be clear. The only thing that will allow you to enter into heaven is faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved, period. That's the only thing that will allow us to enter into heaven. So let me be clear there. But there's a little caveat with this, okay? An authentic faith, saving faith in Jesus should produce good works, righteous living, and obedience as a byproduct, okay? There's this idea that Faith without works is dead, okay? And there's a scripture that talks about it. And let me just, again, go to the scripture instead of talking because the Bible talks better than me. James 2, 14 through 26. Okay, James 2, 14 through 26 in the ESV. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Works, works just means like doing, like doing good things, righteous living, helping people, okay? Um, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be, warm and, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So essentially, if someone comes to you and they're like, hey, I need food and clothing, and you're like, good luck, man, hope you find that, and you have like a nice hot soup like ready to go and some like an extra sweatshirt and you don't give it to them, like what good is that? What good? It's, it's no good. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Even the demons believe there's a God, and they're scared. They're scared of him because he could crank them in a moment. But so do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac at the, on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Let's talk about this, a longer passage. Let's just talk here, okay? Decompress. I know it was long. Thank you for staying awake. Um, even the demons believe that there's a God. 
and they shudder at that fact. So our faith will not last the long haul if we simply believe there's a God. There should be a difference between a demon and a Christian, amen? Like we can't, we can't just say, yeah, yeah, I believe there's a God. Yeah, yeah, he's there. Like even the demons believe that because they know his, of his power, right? And so what's, so what's the difference here? What's the difference between a, a literal demon and a Christian? Okay, not to extrapolate, but what, like faith that will last the long haul is faith that's accompanied by authentic good works as outlined in this passage. Okay, and faith that will last a long haul is also characterized by righteous living and obedience to God. Okay, good works, it should just be the natural byproduct of an authentic faith in God. We can live a life of righteousness due to the power of the Holy Spirit, not just deciding that I'm going to be a good person today. Right? It's only the power of the Holy Spirit that can help us go, you know, living in death bringing us from death to life, right? A new life. It says in Scripture we're a new creation in Christ, okay? What, what does new implicate? It implicates that different. So if you believe in God and then there's no change, that's not a new creation. You're just a, you're an old creation still. Like new implicates something must change, which is all of a sudden we start to operate in this righteousness, in this obedience to God, and all of a sudden our, pro- our priority or God's priorities start to become our priorities. What, what God wants us to do, we start to do. How God wants us to act, we start to act. And all of a sudden, we're living this authentic, faith-filled life that is uh, accompanied by authentic works. Does that make sense to you guys? Let me put it this way for the non-spiritual in the room, okay? Um, or just for anyone in the room, honestly. But like, Let's say that I say I have an authentic love for soccer. I have an authentic faith that soccer is the best sport in the world. Okay, let's just say I say that. Maybe I do believe that. But let's just say I believe that. But I've never played soccer in my entire life. I, I don't even play FIFA. Like, I don't watch soccer. I don't have any soccer jerseys. I don't even think about soccer ever. You'd be like, bro, you're capping. Like, you don't love soccer. Like, you don't, you, like, you can't, you don't even do anything about it. So in the same way, this is how the foolish uh, bridesmaids were living, okay? They said, yeah, like, I, I'm waiting for the bridegroom. Yeah, like, I'm all about Jesus. Yet, their life didn't have anything to show for it. Let that not be us, guys. Let that not be us when we say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but our life looks no different from another person who says they're not a Christian. That's, that's just not it, guys, right? Biblically, that's not, that's not it. What happens is there is a real life change that happens when you meet Jesus, okay? And you start to authentically, like, do these good works, not because God is forcing you to do it or not because you're trying to be, oh, I better be good enough today or else I'm not going to get into heaven. It's just, it's a byproduct because you're like, oh, my goodness, like, I want other people to know how much Jesus loves them. I want other people to know how generous Jesus is through my life. I want other people to know the power of the Holy Spirit and how he wants to even physically heal you right? Like, like I want to pray for people because I want them to understand that reality, right? There's something that should, should change, okay? Faith that will last the long haul is faith that's accompanied by authentic good works. It's characterized by righteous living and obedience to God, amen? So let's talk about that. Let's talk, now, now, now how practically does that work? How practically can I have faith that will last the long haul? How practically can I just keep adding oil to my lamp 
so that for the rest of my life, my flame, my faith in Jesus is burning brightly. How can I do that, Judah, you may ask? Well, I, I don't have the answer, but I have some, maybe. That could be helpful. This is not an exhaustive list of ways for your, your faith to thrive for the long haul. Not just last for the long haul, but thrive for the long haul. Amen? Maybe I should have changed that. Um, so there's three things I want to share to have faith that will last for the long haul. Number one is be a disciple and have a disciple. Okay? This is how you can have faith that will last for the long haul. Be a disciple and have a disciple. If you're familiar, uh, there's a character, Barnabas, and he was mentoring Paul, who is one of the greatest uh, New Testament authors and uh, Christians in the old church. He's a, he's a legend. And Paul, right, was also mentoring Timothy, Timothy and a few others, okay? Um, and so the Bible outlines all throughout, like, that's just one example. There's a million other examples of a disciple having a disciple having a disciple having a disciple having a disciple and it's like this chain reaction family tree of people living for Jesus why is this important how will this help me have faith that will last a long haul Judah like what what connection are you making here well being discipled okay so someone like mentoring you or teaching you about God without discipling someone else without you teaching someone else about God is like a river that starts to run stagnant okay our faith can stagnate very quickly if all we do is receive teaching and never go out and teach others what we've been learning, okay? It can be very easy for our faith to just stagnate. We just kind of receive, and then we just, like, sit on it. We must teach others what has been taught to us. Uh, this isn't just a recommendation. This is actually a command in the Bible from Jesus himself to you in Matthew 28, 19, if you're familiar. I don't know if I have it on the screen, but I have it in my heart, and it says, um, therefore, go... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, go and make disciples. If you call yourself a believer in Christ in this room, you say that you have a belief in God, okay, ortho, orthodoxy. Then the orthopraxy of that belief in God is that you must go and teach other people about who Jesus is. It's not like maybe if I feel like it. You must do that. That is Jesus' charge to you. And the reason he does that is because it helps us grow, guys. Even, like, scientifically, did you know the best way to, like, learn something is teaching someone else how to do it? You know this teacher's in the room, amen? Right? You guys know this. Um, so the Bible rings true even in science, amen? Um, there's a lot more examples than that. Uh, we'll do a apologetic series another time. Um, but anyways, and guys, the reason I'm saying that be a disciple and have a disciple is so fundamental for having faith that will last the long haul is because of this. This is key. It's one thing for me to tell you from the pulpit to be faithful in prayer, read the Bible, live in purity with your girlfriend or boyfriend, but it just hits a little different when it's like someone that's sitting down one-on-one -on -one and having a real conversation with you about those things, okay? And, and you actually can like, so, sorry guys, I can't keep all 150 plus some of you in here accountable to those things. Like I can teach you about that, but I can't just be like, hey, how you doing? How you doing, Thomas? How you doing, you? How you doing? Like I can't just go around the room and, and keep every single one of you accountable. I would lose my mind. I, would, I don't have enough time in the day to, as much as I would love to, okay? I will say that. I love to get to know all of you very, very deeply, but I can't because I'm only human. And so it's important that you have a mentor in your life, a disciple, a discipler in your life. And it's important because there's other people in your life, guys, that you know, that you're the only Christian witness in their entire life. You're the only authentic believer in Christ in their entire life. 
There's some people in your classes, you're the only Christian they know. And it would, it's just a disservice to them that we don't go and we share our faith and teach them about who Jesus is through our life and through our, and through our words, right? Through our actions and through our uh, words, amen? Amen. An- another thing. Discipleship just helps us live this Christian walkout well. Discipleship helps us grow as a believer. Okay? Let me make an illustration here. Like, because like, all of us, the, the goal of, a Christ- of the Christian faith is like one of the goals, is we're, we constantly should be growing and maturing. Did you know that it's actually really, really cute when a baby acts like a baby, but it's really, really not cute when a 30-year-old man acts like a man-child baby? creature like it's it's awful like how you know you know who i you know people right you know people and it's just not it right like we need to grow and mature in our faith you can't stay a baby christian forever you can't stay just oh just like kind of coast along in small group forever and just like learn for whatever just under some new whatever small group leader's tutelage for four years like you should have a little baby christian under your tutelage next year like, by the grace of God, okay? Like, because we can't have little man-child baby Christians walking around, okay? We must grow in our faith. We must become more like Jesus, become more mature in our faith. <laughs> I'm, like, being really serious, and people are, like, laughing. I love that little, I love that. It's nothing serious. We're just having fun in here. Following Jesus is fun, amen? Um, <laughs> so, next, I, I think I harped on that long enough. You guys got it, right? Give me a big amen if you got that. Amen. Amen. Let's go. <laughs> That's me it's like yelling amen in a really low voice if you ever hear that. It's okay. I can do it. I'm the pastor. Um, <laughs> dive deep. Next. Next one. Dive deep into community. <laughs> you guys can do it too if you want. I don't care. Um, number two. How do, we, how do we have faith that lasts for the long haul? We must dive deep into community. And Hebrews 10 24 through 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And it's actually cool because this really parallels to the, the thing Jesus was talking about. Remember Jesus talked about no one knows the time or the day of me coming back. This is the same reference until you see the day approaching, meaning when Jesus comes back physically on this earth. So that's really cool how they use kind of parallel. I didn't even try to do that low-key. So good job, me, or good job, Holy Spirit, maybe, for leading me. But uh, I want to encourage you guys. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. I know you guys have heard that before, but really all pastor's job is just reminding you guys to do things, okay? You, you know all this stuff. I just got to remind you. So I, I will remind you again. There is no such thing as being a Lone Ranger Christian, okay? There's no such thing as a little, like, you're just out in the sticks, living a Christian life by yourself. We were made for community. God made us for community. He made us for deep relationships with other people because iron sharpens iron, okay? And we help each other grow. So what this, the implication for you, okay? Implications. When, when you leave Chi Alpha, you're, you're not always going to be in Chi Alpha. You guys have found an incredible community of people, not just because I'm here, but be, mostly because of the people in the room sitting in these chairs. That's why it's an incredible community. You guys are awesome. And you love Jesus, and you're awesome, double awesome. And so, um, but we, but what, you're not going to be a college student forever. And so, I want to encourage you 
the moment, even like literally six months or so, whatever, before you're going to leave Chi Alpha, start searching for a church. You probably already have a job secured maybe six months out. Maybe you don't. That's okay. Okay. Uh, but wherever you think you're going to end up, start looking for churches already. You guys need to get plugged in to a church when you, when you leave from here and continue grow, right? Continue growing. Don't just say, oh, well, I had my nice four years in Chi Alpha and now I'm just going to kind of just try to do it myself. Guess what? You might, you might get pretty far for like a couple of years, but eventually your, your light's going to dim. Your light will dim because God didn't make us for isolation. God made us for community. And so you need to find a church, Okay. You need to get plugged into whatever they're doing with small groups or life groups, whatever the heck they call it, Borgullet groups, I don't care. Okay, go into their, go into their whatever that's called group. And because you you need you need that authentic, <laughs> you need that that circle of close, tight-knit friends, again, that are gonna keep you accountable. And you need to have different ideas and perspectives and ways of thinking of things. Because we can't get in our own little like theological, I'm always right box. We need other people to help us and stretch us and grow us. Okay? Um, and maybe you're here in Chi Alpha. Praise God. Thank you for being here. You're awesome. And may maybe it's your first time. Maybe it's your first couple of times. I want to encourage you guys. Get plugged in right here. There's some really awesome people. Sorry. There's some really awesome people uh, <laughs> that are sitting in these chairs that just will love your socks off. Th that was me, guys. I needed community when I was a freshman in college. I needed people to come around me and speak truth to who I was, because I was believing a whole lot of lies about who I was, that I'm, that I'm worthless, that I'm not good enough, uh, that I'm just like, I'm not man, like all these different lies I was believing, and people came into me and said, Judah, you are loved, man, like, you have purpose, that you know, you have a gift, bro, you have a gift for speaking and connecting with people, and people just encouraged me and came alongside me, you guys, we need that, life is difficult, so we need to do it with others, Okay, because when one trips, we got another br brother in Christ just right there ready to pick us up. Another sister in Christ right there ready to pick us up and speak truth into our life. So if you're here in this room and you're like, you kind of just been coming to Chi Alpha and kind of coming and then running out. I see some of you guys. I know you run out. You sprint out after. I'm not going to chase you out and tackle you. Maybe not. Maybe I will eventually, but not, not today. You guys, just, just get to know someone. Uh, ask someone if they're a small group. Hey, are you a small group leader? I'm looking for a small group. And small group leaders, please, like, get off your haunches and go and talk to new people, okay? Like, there's, there's people in this room that are just, like, they're leap. I, I watch them every single week. They sit in the corners, and they run out, and you guys are kind of just sitting. I, I'm sorry. This is, a, this is a little nice, friendly rebuke to you. Uh, but just, like, go, like, meet people. Be welcoming, guys. Like, this is, we're, we're family here, okay? We accept new people into the family. We're not an exclusive little, what, I was going to say another, <laughs> we're not an exclusive club, okay? Like, we, we accept new people, and we love new people. So, so live that out, guys. Come on. Amen. So dive deep into community. And that is something, guys, that will help you live uh, for Jesus for the long haul. I want to encourage you with a final story in, in this point. I have a group chat of like guys that were in my freshman year small group, it, we literally send uh, texts to each other every single day. Like the, the group chat literally with Alpha every single day, we're like back and forth. And sometimes it's like funny jabbering. Sometimes it's like, I need prayer, bro. Like this really difficult thing happened. Or, or sometimes it's like, sometimes stuff dif that's uh, difficult happening with you guys, like there's some difficult situations happening. Like I send it in that group chat and say, can you pray for this student? And they're like, yes, I will pray. You know, so we got like five, six really awesome, amazing Christian men like interceding for some of you guys when there's difficult situations. And so this is the kind of like lifelong, like amazing connection you can make only if 
you dive deep into community and say yes to that, to that aspect of what Jesus is, calls us to as believers, okay? Next one. How do we uh, have faith that will last the long haul? Remember big God moments in your life, okay? Remember big God moments in your life. This is how you have faith that lasts for the long haul. Revelation 12, 11 in the NIV says this. They triumphed over him, him being Satan or the devil or the evil one. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So they triumphed over him, being the devil, by the blood of the lamb. All that means is by Jesus' sacrifice. If you're not familiar, Jesus died on the cross for your sin. His blood was poured out, and it covers our sin so we can be in a right relationship with God. And they triumphed over him with that and, key thing, the word of their testimony. What does testimony mean? Testimony just means a story of what God has done. The stories of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness. That's what a testimony is. And you guys... Let's not forget so easily what God has done in your life. Don't be like the Israelites that we kind of low-key mock. We're like, well, did God just parted the Red Sea? And now they're like making idols. They're fashioning idols to Baal. Like, what the heck? Why, how could they be so stupid? And then God literally like heals our left knee. And then two weeks later, we're kind of, we're kind of bitter and complaining about our fellow Chi Alpha member. And we're just nasty to each other. What happened? Did you... Did you forget about God's goodness in your life? Did you forget about God's faithfulness? Or we're just like, man, just like I just haven't, just haven't been really feeling the presence of God. And literally like at full retreat, God like baptized you in the Holy Spirit and like literally healed you of whatever the heck thing. Like, and don't forget so easily, guys. God is for you. God loves you. He is faithful. And I want to encourage you with, with one of my stories that I was just recently remembering to myself actually Sunday night. Um, just at the altar with Jesus at Light Conference. And um, it was this story. I was, uh, I was a freshman, okay, in the fall of 2015, and I had given my life to Jesus maybe like a couple months before this, okay? So pretty fresh, uh, you know, Christian. And uh, I lived in the dorms when I was a freshman in Beck Hall, now defunct and dead Beck Hall. Um, <laughs> but I, I lived in the dorms, and, and you guys, like, the dorms are a rough place, okay? Spiritually very, like, heavy, like, a lot, and, and I just remember, like, you know, guys, like, to either side of me and in my own room, like, constantly blasting, like, the most depraved, awful music, like, at 24 hours a day, I kid you not, like, 2 a.m., music is, like, as loud as it can be and just, like, constantly cussing and just, like, and just, like, people just, like, really drunk and sharing just, like, stories of just awfulness and depravity. And, and it's a really heavy spiritual atmosphere as a believer in Christ to be in the dorms. And I remember there was a prayer night. Um, at the lighthouse, and I lived in Beck Hall, so only maybe like a, whatever, 500-foot distance. Um, so it wasn't that long, but I remember, like, like, the prayer meeting started at, like, 7, and I just, like, it was, like, 6 p.m., and I was, like, I'm going to this, I'm going to their house, like, and I, and I was, like, running. I, like, I ran, like, sprinted, like, I, with the biggest smile on my face, because I was so happy to pray and to get into the presence of God. I just remember I was just speaking with the Lord, and I was like, God, why am I not excited like that anymore to pray? Why, why am I not excited to just worship and be in your presence anymore like that? And I remember just like feeling like this heaviness of, I, I cannot remember, like I should not forget so easily how amazing 
and how awesome the presence of God is. And how it is a completely different spiritual atmosphere when you go from one, from one atmosphere into an atmosphere where you're worshiping and praying together. And it's, it com- it's completely different. And it's amazing. And prayer, you know, I said, remember we talked about prayer last week. And I said, yeah, prayer might be, prayer kind of the misconception. It's like, it's one of the more boring Christian principles. I would say prayer is probably one of the most exciting things about my faith because I get to connect with the living God. I get to talk with Jesus. I get to be in the presence of the living God who created every single thing. I get to speak with him in prayer. And not only that, my prayers, they're effective, it says in the word of God. They change things, it says in the word of God. I get to pray for other people in my life that are struggling. I get to pray for other people in my life who don't know Jesus and intercede on their behalf with the Holy Spirit. That's exciting. And so I remember I was just at the altar and I was weeping because I was like, how can I forget how incredible and how awesome and how amazing it is to pray? What a gift that we have in the new covenant to be able to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit personally. Isn't that such a gift? So good. And so I want to encourage you guys in your own lives. Think of those God moments. That wasn't a big God moment, but it's something I think about often. Like, I was just smiling and sprinting to the lighthouse an hour early to prayer because I was just excited to be with Jesus. And that just encouraged me in my prayer life to just, like, to just get in God's face and to be, and be faithful in prayer and to pray uh, just, like, extravagant and bold prayers over this campus and over you guys. Um, and so think about those things. Like, think about your testimony. How did, how did the Lord really shift your heart? And, and bring you from a place of spiritual death to spiritual life. Think about cool moments. Maybe the moment you got baptized in water or baptized in the Holy Spirit or the moment you were healed, you know, like physically or from depression or from a f- mental health thing. Like think about those like key big God moments and it will like, it will just add fuel to the fire of your faith. Like I felt like my like lamp was totally just like bang, burning bright like that night because I was remembering how incredible and amazing it is to just pray. I want to encourage you guys as the worship team comes up with a verse in Romans 12. Um, And I'll just read through this very slowly. And if you guys could just be attentive and look at the screen while while I'm reading it. We'll just go through this slowly and just let every word kind of like seep into your heart. Open your heart to these words that that the Lord is speaking through this. Um, Because it's so good and God's word is, is living and alive and active. And so Romans 12, 11 through 21, as we're all just looking at the screen and attentive here. It says this, never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. Serve the Lord. When you hope, be joyful. When you suffer, be patient. When you pray, be faithful. Share with God's people who are in need. Welcome others into your homes. Bless those who hurt you. Bless them and do not call down curses on them. Be joyful with those who are joyful. Be sad with those who are sad. Agree with, e- agree with each other. Don't be proud. Be willing to be a friend of people who aren't considered important. Don't think that you are better than others. Don't, don't pay back evil with evil. Be careful to do what everyone thinks is right. If possible, live in peace with everyone. Do that as much as you can. My friends, don't try to get even. Leave room for God to show his anger. It is written, I am the one who judges people. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Do just the opposite, scripture says. 
If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. By doing those things, you will pile up burning coals on their head. Don't let evil overcome you. Overcome the evil, uh, the evil by doing good. Overcome evil by doing good. So as worship team, you guys can play. And uh, if you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I just have a few questions for you guys. Maybe you're in this room and you felt that your light has been dimming kind of little by little. You felt a little bit of distance from Jesus lately. You haven't been reminding yourselves of the God stories in your life, how God's been faithful and good. And you're in this room and you'd like to reignite that light in your heart and put more oil in your lamp so that you can burn bright for Jesus. If that's you in your room and you just feel like you just, you're just feeling like you want, there's something shifting in your heart right now and you just want to get like just more excited to pray and more excited to worship and more attentive and, in sermons and just like giving everything to Jesus. If that's you, uh, just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. If that's you, so I can pray for you. If that's you right now, you just want a little extra light. Yes, you can put your hands down. And if you're in this room, and you would say, Judah, I actually don't have a relationship with Jesus like you've been talking about, like you talked about in Romans 10, about if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're in this room and you've never believed that in your heart and declared with your mouth that, Jesus ra that God raised him from the dead, and you'd like to come into a relationship with Jesus today, and you would like to start putting oil, depositing oil into the lamp of your life and burning brightly for Jesus. If that's you and you'd like to give your life to Christ tonight, would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Would you raise it nice and high so I know who I'm praying for? I see you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. That's awesome. It's awesome. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for the first question like this. You guys can stay bowed heads. Hey, Jesus. You know, we all come to you, God, in repentance for the times when we didn't value prayer and worship and just spending time in your word, God. And we repent, Jesus, for letting our light dim and for not adding oil into, our, into the lamp of our life. Jesus, would you help reignite the flame in our hearts for you, God? It's so exciting to live for you. It's so, it's so exciting to love people uh, because of you, God. It's so exciting to do what God's doing in me, do it through me, God. It's just so exciting to do that. And I pray, Lord, that you would just brighten uh, everyone's flame in their hearts right now in Jesus' name. Pray that, Lord. I want to pray for that second question for the people that gave their lives to Christ. I want to pray this. Lord, for those people that just wanted to give their lives to you, Jesus, would they know that to give their life to you, they must repent. They must no longer live the way they were living before because what happens when we give our life to Christ is we're a new creation in Christ. The implication is newness. We're not like we used to be. And so I pray right now that those people would repent in their hearts. Just say, sorry, Lord, for not living for you and selfishly living for myself. Pray, Lord, that they would confess with their mouths that you're Lord, believe in their hearts that you're Savior. 
And I believe, Jesus, that they would have a faith that lasts for the long haul, God, that they would live for you for the rest of their days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it blessed you and encouraged you to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. If you would like to connect with us, you can head to undkyalpha.com.